When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Wilson! Wilson! E.T. This is Simon Rose joining me for the business of film, as ever, is James Cameron Wilson. Um, we're recording this, James, when it's incredibly hot, so I don't know what next weekend's box office is going to be like. I suspect, as we've had so often this summer, when it's hot, the box office takings will go down, but last weekend was not quite as warm, so how do we do? I'm afraid I don't have any good news whatsoever, and I think the last big studio film this weekend, it's going to be pretty much downhill until Christmas. But you may recollect that last weekend we had already made more in 2022 than we had in 2021. Mm. So trying to look on the bright side, we just hope that no other virus comes along to shut the cinemas. Mm. But yeah, it was down 19.9%. That's almost 20% on the previous weekend, which was already down by, uh, what was it, 7.9%, which was only really a minor dip. So things aren't looking great. But we really only had one big new film, which I think we need to discuss, which if you include the previews, because it opened three day, uh, two days early mm. on Wednesday, it made £2.9 million over the long weekend. And this is a film called Bullet Train. I was really looking forward to seeing this on account of the first few moments of the trailer. Mm. As you know, I don't look at trailers, but I was thought this looks really fun. It certainly conveys the tongue-in-cheek tenor of the film. I wish I could say the same for the poster, which is just a series of characters ungainly crammed into the frame with no sense of comedy or momentum. It really doesn't capture the driving elements of the film. It is one of those movies that is teeming with great comic ideas, but without the spark or Elan, to give them agency. There's a couple of wise-cracking hitmen called Tangerine and Lemon, like the fruit, Mm. with Brian Tyree Henry, so good in Widows and If Beale Street Could Talk, affecting a Cockney accent. Lemon also has an obsession with Thomas the Tank Engine, which is sort of appropriate as he and Tangerine are on the bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto. He treats the children's character as if it has some deep religious context, like Winnie the Pooh in Benjamin Hoff's The Tao of Pooh. The title also has a double meaning, as this train has a lot of bullets accompanying the passengers on a high-speed journey, in which the carriages gradually become emptier and emptier of human traffic for several reasons. Indeed, there are a lot of characters here, along with their various backstories, which actually robs the film of any real sense of claustrophobia. This is murder on the Orient Express, with the murders piling up at an alarming rate. 
but with no Hercule Poirot around to solve them. Although there's more than one culprit, the film's comic centre is provided by Brad Pitt as a fumbling assassin who is returning to duty after a much-needed break. And before he has even boarded the train, he's dropped his ticket and some vital keys, which marks him out from his compatriot, John Wick. I mention John Wick because the director, David Leach, made his name as the director and producer of John Wick and went on to produce the two sequels. And being a former stuntman for Brad Pitt, no less, oh, right, right. and stunt coordinator, his stock in trade are the action scenes that populate his films as director, including Atomic Blonde, which I wasn't really wowed over by, Deadpool 2, which I loved, and Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. However, whereas Bullet Train feels like Kill Bill on rails or Kill Brad, it has none of the stylish brio of the latter film, and all the various cultural allusions and narrative strands end up as so much clutter. It's a very cluttered film. However, I did enjoy Brad Pitt's performance, who's dubbed Ladybird for his new alias, because the beetle is meant to be lucky in many cultures. But to quote Brad Pitt on this occasion, he is bad luck on acid. Is that a great line? I don't think so. In fact, there's not a single line of dialogue worth quoting, and much of the action itself feels recycled and incredibly violent. Considering what is on screen, there's no real sense of excitement, although there are three or four nice throwaway visual gags. Mm. I think my favourite character was the prince, or so she was called an assassin posing as an English schoolgirl, played with quiet authority by Joey King, who, of course, played Channing Tatum's daughter in White House Down, whereby hangs a tale. But I'm not telling. Considering that there are so many English characters on board this Orient Express, I was beginning to wonder if this was meant to be a homage to Agatha Christie. <laughs> but then I realised it was pretty much a homage to everything. What I, I know you saw it, Simon. I mean, I enjoyed it um, up to a point. I just, do you know what I mean about being Kill Bill on race? Oh yes, I mean to start with, I, I went with a friend of. A, we're of a similar age. We couldn't quite understand why the rest of the cinema were laughing. It seemed to be sort of sub Tarantino s sort of crossed with Lock, Stock and Two's Making Barrels with with you know, the Cockney um, characters. And then we sort of got into it. Whether it was because the rest of the cinema was laughing, I don't know. I enjoyed it a little more than you. I think I agree that the backstory stuff, while occasionally quite clever in explaining something, robbed it of dramatic tension. It wasn't and Strangers on a Train, was it? No, it certainly was not that. But at times I thought it was quite funny and rather enjoyed it. Um, okay. Uh, a few sort of interesting cameos along the way we probably shouldn't mention, so they kept surprising, um, including one of my favourite actors who seems to have had rather more work done than I should have cared to suggest she should. But um, we'll see. That was a uh, shock. That it was, was a shock. an awful shock, yes. One of our favourite um, actresses who... <laughs> but she, she, she's in the film throughout. Uh, yes, I didn't. I didn't recognise. If the, you know her voice, yes, I didn't recognise the voice. I, I, I confess. Um, yeah, it's confusing, but I thought it was you know it's perfectly enjoyable. If you want to get out of the heat next weekend, you know, as long as you're not expecting anything absolutely brilliant, I think it part, certainly passes the time. We we sort of enjoyed it. We we just 
I, I think if you know that it's tongue in cheek, you'd probably enjoy it more than if you go into it knowing nothing. Because I think we didn't really know what genre it was, and it took us a while to sort of relax into it, I think. Okay. Well, I mean, if you watch the trailer, and please don't. Uh, well, I hate watching trailers, so I try not to. I mean, you certainly get uh, the genre from that. Right, right. Right. But 2.9 million just for an extended weekend. We must sometimes discuss whether you think it's actually fair that films can include previews. Um, it really isn't um, going to disturb the score sheet very much for this year, one would imagine. It's no, not going to go up next so. week. Um, and pretty much all the other films are down dramatically. At number two, we've got DC League of Super Pets, which was at number one, down 54% with a total of 6.2 million. Yeah. At three, we've got the extricable Minions, The Rise of Gru. Okay, I'm not a two-year-old, which was at number two, <laughs> down 44%. It yeah. still made 1.1 million in its third weekend. So there's a huge audience for this, and it's mm. now already made 36.7 million pounds sterling. At four, we've got 4-4, four, four, or Love and Thunder, which was at number three, down 51%, with a handsome total of 33.3 million quid. At five, the weekend's best holdover is Elvis, which was at number four, with a total now of 22.7 million quid. And six, Top Gun Maverick, down 38%. Now biting at the heels of Titanic, being in the top 10 highest grossing films of all time. I think it needs to make another three and a half million to sink Titanic. At seven, we've got Where the Crawdads Sing, which was at number six, down 41%, which is not a bad holdover considering mm. all the others with a total of 5.3 million quid. But this is a very low-budget film starring somebody that most people probably haven't heard of. Yes, and you can't imagine that most of the people looking at the list of films and thinking Bullet Train, DC League, uh, Thor, Minions, um, Top Gun, isn't there anything for us? It's probably only Crawdads. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think the title is quite intriguing as well. Yes, well, I never understood the title, even after seeing the film. Okay. How can they sing? I mean, I sort of assume they can't sort of bird, but they can't. Yeah, no, no, spot. they can't sing because yeah, yeah. they're crayfish. Yes, I, I but they can I sing at number eight. Uh, this is okay. Westlife live from Wembley Stadium, which was a one-off event, which right. is of course the reunited Sligo band boy band, um, which. Uh, was it 2018, wasn't it, they reunited? Anyway, uh, number nine... I hope got... that was a rhetorical question. You can't <laughs> possibly expect me to know that. You're, yes. you're not a great follower of Westlife. I, I'm not, I'm afraid, no. Okay, well, they can sing. Uh, at number nine, we've got Prima Fassi, which is the NT Live event, Susie Miller's one-woman play mm. with Jodie Comer playing a criminal defence barrister. I think I'm going to try and see it next week. So watch this space. I hope it's still in the top 10, but even okay. if it's not... Well, it's still course. very impressive because it's in, it's, it's in the top 10 for the whole week, even though it's only... I think it was only on once this week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's been on for four days and it's made £3.1 million. Pounds. Yeah. Well, well, that's impressive. Think that's so, four so it's days. actually that's doing better huge. than Bullet Train. It's doing better than Bullet Train. Yes, it is. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. <laughs> yes. That's and extraordinary. Uh, and what's number 10, just before we uh, take number a break? Number 10, we've got Jurassic World Dominion, which was at number 8, down a hefty 53%, with a total of £34.3 million pounds sterling. 
Well, let us mark the halfway stage, James, and we'll talk about something else. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is the Business Film on Share Radio. I'm Simon Rose in discussion with James Cameron Wilson. We've now looked at the chart going down from bullet train at number one all the way down to Jurassic uh, World at number 10. So, James, what would you like to look at now? It's been quite a week for ladybugs, or ladybirds <laughs> as we call them in the United Kingdom. We're barely it's into the very, opening. Very tenuous of- link to bullet train. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, well the, uh, <laughs> hear me out. We're barely into the opening of luck the first feature from Skydance Animation. And then the screen is filled with giant ladybugs. But then this is a film called Luck. And just as Pixar's Inside Out was about our five emotions, mm. joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness, and Monsters, Inc., also from Pixar, was about a world of monsters that uses children's screams to power their city mm-hmm. because they could no longer afford fossil-based fuel So luck takes an abstract concept and runs with it. Skydance Animation is an arm of Skydance Media, overseen by John Lasseter, who was the creative weight behind Pixar, is hoping to be a new force in computer animation and already has another feature, Spellbound, due for release next year, featuring the voices of Rachel Zegler, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. So here we have a story in which luck is actually a process of manufacture by mythical beings that exist in a parallel universe. The Good Luck Corporation, run by a dragon called Babe, voiced by Jane Fonda. And like Dragon in Shrek, who had a soft spot for Donkey, so Babe has a thing for an overweight unicorn with a German accent called Jeff. In fact, luck, the movie has a strong European sensibility with Simon Pegg voicing a Scottish cat named Bob. Nothing to do with a street cat named Bob. Mm. And a lot of Irish leprechauns who run the good luck mint. However, the film has more to do with Sam Greenfield, who is the human heart of the story, an orphan girl who never found her forever family because in spite of her good nature, has been plagued by ill fortune all her life. I have to say, I found the first third of the film completely delightful and extremely inventive visually. When aged 18, Sam has to leave her orphanage to enter the real world. She is given a basement flat and a menial job in a flower supermarket. Determined to make a good impression on her first day, she is blighted by bad luck in a series of incidents that leads from one misfortune to the next leaving her accidentally barricaded into her bathroom. But Sam is a resourceful girl, and even running late, she discovers that her bike has a puncture and that her pump is broken. She does manage to make it to work on time. 
And being a typical computer animated heroine, Sam has a winsome personality and enormous eyes that could win the heart of the meanest victim of her various calamities. I was hoping the film might have something profound to say about making our, our own luck when it switches gear with the introduction of Simon Pegg's Scottish black cat that wants nothing to do with Sam, even though she gives him half of her sandwich after her first disastrous day at work. Then after Sam walks past her, he's a black cat, and black cats in Scotland are, of course, lucky. She finds a penny on the sidewalk and muses, find a penny, pick it up, and her life is transformed. But only temporarily, until things get really surreal. I suspect that many younger viewers will have no idea of what is going on in the never worlds of good and bad luck. But it's all very nimble and imaginative, particularly with the incarnation of a female Frank Spencer in a parallel universe. And I did enjoy John Rapsenberger's turn as a root vegetable who runs his own bar. <laughs> Almost <laughs> expecting the theme tune from Cheers. Yes, yes. So I, I think it's uh, it's a mixed bag, really. And I, I wish them luck, and I'm looking forward to Spellbound. Although, of course, two of my favorite films are called Spellbound, a documentary, and they are for Hitchcock. But we'll see you next year from Skydance Animation. The documentary, was that the one on the spelling bees? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, gosh, I forgot about that, yes. Um, yes, so <laughs> it's always disappointing when you begin when you enjoy the beginning of a film rather than, rather than sort of getting into it as it progresses. So it sounds as if you were a little disappointed and young people may just not understand what on earth is going on. Uh, I'm afraid that might be the case, and I should explain it is available on streaming on Apple TV. Ah, I'd meant to ask. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I should say Okay. Thank you, James. On the subject of streaming, I noticed I read today that while a lot of the streaming companies are not doing terribly well, that Disney had actually picked up quite a lot of new subscribers. So they clearly are managing to buck the, the trend at any rate. Um, so what uh, have you got for us? Well, this is another streaming film called 13 Lives. Hmm. Vigo Mortensen's cave diver, Rick Stanton, tells us that he doesn't believe in luck. Be that as it may, he pockets the good luck homemade bracelet handed him by a mother desperate for the safe return of her young son trapped in a network of flooded caves in northern Thailand. This was an event known as the Tam Luang Cave Rescue that united the world to save the 12 young boys aged 11 to 16 and their 25-year-old football coach. After a friendly match, the boys decided on exploring the local caves before supper, unaware that an unseasonal storm front was approaching. 13 Lives, directed by Ron Howard, who is rather good at elemental themes, witness his movies Splash, Backdraft, Apollo 13, mm. In the Heart of the Sea and Rebuilding Paradise, at first focuses on the boys, but when the heavens open, he switches the focus to the children's families and the authorities faced with what looks like an impossible task. What is remarkable about the event, not unlike the 2010 mining disaster in Chile when 33 miners became trapped, is how the world responded 
According to the end captions of 13 Lives, more than 5,000 people from 17 different countries contributed to the rescue effort, including the UK, US, Belgium, Sweden and Ukraine. All this is delineated in a very documentary-like manner, which increases the sense of realism. As a macabre carnival atmosphere emerges, complete with caravans and tents, food stalls and media outlets. Ron Howard and his screenwriter, William Nicholson, he who scripted Shadowlands and Gladiator, yes. has opted to cover the rescue in all its international scope, rather than concentrate on any individual human angle. However, this being a Ron Howard film, there are stars in the mix, including Viggo Mortensen as the Essex-born Rick Stanton and Colin Farrell as the Sussex-born John Valanthan, two English cave divers who volunteered their services. It, it seems an odd decision to recruit an American and an Irishman to play the Englishman, who in the event became the heroes of the hour. To be honest, I was unaware of the details of the rescue. But as with Titanic, I had a pretty good recollection of the outcome, but won't give the game away here. And it's the details that really involve one, the enormous international effort that went in to save these 13 young lives. The local farmers, for instance, who were willing to have their rice harvest destroyed so that the engineers could pump out drain the mountain of the rising rainwater and just the general collaborative sense of can-do heroism that united the whole world. In that alone, it is a hugely moving piece showing what we as a species can do in the face of insurmountable odds. And in spite of the film's 147-minute running time, I was completely gripped throughout. But well, why Vigo Mortensen? I'm doing doing an Essex boy. That that did really throw me. But that that's a, a minor. Was he believable and, or not? He didn't overdo it, and he didn't have an awful lot to say. Mm. Uh, the amount of dialogue he had was negligible. I suspect I suspect to Ron Howard, of course, the country and Essex boy. And where was the other one from? Sussex. I suspect yeah, that Brighton, really probably yeah. means nothing to him. Well, no, I no, tend no. to like Ron Howard films. I mean, I even like the paper that almost nobody else seemed to I like the paper. Enjoy. He's yeah. a good storyteller. He knows yes. how to tell a good story. Yeah. And, I agree. Yeah, I've liked uh, all his stuff. So which, which streaming service is this one on that I probably can't see? Uh, <laughs> this is Amazon Prime. Oh, I can see that. Okay. Right. So thank you for asking. Uh, well, it's useful to know. That's the problem. It would be nice if somebody would offer a sort of bundled streaming service, but I suppose that will ever happen, where you could pay a little less than the sum of all of them, so you can actually watch oh, whatever you want. Yes. It's very irritating when uh, they are on a streaming service you can't watch, as, especially as, of course, after a while, if they haven't actually made it themselves, it often passes from one service to another. Um I mean, then yeah. you might even miss it if you don't have some way of finding out it's gone. Or more irritating, of course, a streaming service buys a particular um, drama or um, film for a set period of time, and you're in the middle of watching umpteen episodes when you discover that it's about to vanish, which has happened to me mm. on more than one occasion. Did I, did I say it was Amazon Prime? I did. Yes, yes, I yeah, asked yeah. you okay. and you told me. Yes. Okay, absolutely. no, I'm just making sure I didn't say something else. I, I think you need some governmental intervention to get <laughs> several streaming platforms into one 
Yes, I'm sure it won't it won't happen whatsoever. But I mean, no, I find two is as much as I can really afford, and I just rather cross because I'm sure you know I'd like to see some of the new things on Paramount. Apple often seem to have good things. I'm sure Disney as well. Um, there are just so many of them now. Well, there are right, you know, two, three now, I don't know ago. if I've got time. I'd like to wish adieu to Olivia Newton-John, who died oh, at the age of, of seventy-three, and I, I I was a huge fan of her as a child growing up. And I remember going to a press conference with her. And usually I preferred one-to-ones, and I was very lucky mm. with that. And there were 50 international journalists. And I put up my hand, and she asked me. And, uh, and I said, of your 15 albums, what is your favorite? And she said, I've only done 14 albums. And I said, well, I do have 15 of them. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> then I realized I had 49 international journalists laughing at me. Because I was obviously such a fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet. Oh, sweet. James, thank you very much indeed. Yes, we must wish adieu to uh, Olivia Newton-John. Perhaps we watch Greece again this weekend if you don't fancy going to the cinema. But we'll be back with more Business of Film at the same time next week. You talking to me? Bond. James Bond. <laughs> 